8. So be used as panels, and the charming toile de jouet designs, are all appropriate when used with French furniture. Heavily made furniture like craftsman or mission needs the support of strong walls which may be rough finished natural colored or painted plaster, or grass cloth, or one of the many good plain papers of heavy texture. There are also figured papers which are appropriate. Wicker furniture will go with almost any kind of attractive paper which is correct for the room, but when there is much figure the cushions should be covered with plain stuff. All overstuffed furniture when covered with chintz looks best with plain walls. Painted furniture looks well with plain walls and chintz. A motif from the chintz can be used on the furniture for the decoration, but if the wallpaper is figured the effect will be more restful if the furniture is only striped. Illustration This room is unattractive because of the poor arrangement of the furniture and the inappropriate bed hangings. The bed, chair and chair, and card table, are all very good examples. In summing up, the important points which govern the choice and color of wall covering are the connecting rooms the amount and quality of light, the size and shape of the room, its use, the furnishings which are to be used, the condition of the walls, and personal preference as to paint or paper. Do not be afraid of the idea that plain walls, whether paint or paper, may become tiresome, for one can stand well-planned monotony year in and year out with a cheerful heart. If some rooms are to be papered with figured paper be sure the selection is made with care and with the idea in mind that a figured wall is in itself a decoration and should not have pictures crowded upon it. Artificial lighting to a lighter room successfully appropriate lights must be placed where they are needed to keep the feeling of balance and proportion and bring out the charm of the room by their relation to its furnishing. They should also be so placed that the life of the household can go on as cheerfully and smoothly in the evening as in the daytime. The position and style of lighting fixtures is decided by the type of house, the size and height of the rooms, the amount of wall space, the use for which the rooms are intended, their style of furnishing, the chief centers of interest, such as mantles, doors, furniture, and pictures of importance, and also the manner in which the walls are treated, whether paneled or papered. If one is building a house one should give all possible data to the architect in regard to any special pieces of furniture or pictures which one may wish to use in certain places. By doing this the tragedy of a slightly too small wall space will be escaped, and the lights will be properly placed in the beginning. One must always remember in planning the position of the lights for a room that the eye naturally seeks the brightest spot, and badly placed lamps and side lights will upset the balance of a room. The room must not be glaringly bright but there should be a feeling of a certain evenness in the distribution of light. A top light makes the light come from the wrong direction. Artificial light in a room should take its general idea from the lighting of the room in the daytime. The daylight comes from the windows, the sides of the room, and the decoration of the room is built up with that in mind, so when we are planning the lighting scheme we should remember this and realize that the light should come from lamps placed advantageously on tables, and wall lights placed slightly above eye level. Living rooms should have a sufficient number of well-placed side lights to enhance the beauty of the room, and they should be placed near centers of importance such as each side of the fireplace, or wide door, or on each side of some important picture or mirror. If there is a group of two or three windows which need to be more convincingly drawn together to form a unit, lights may be placed on each side of the group. Side lights can be placed in the center of panels, thus forming a decoration for the panel, and Flanking paintings or mirrors or tapestries, make beautiful and formal rooms, especially for the different periods of French, English, or Italian decoration. This treatment with simpler forms of fixtures may also be used in our charming, 
but more or less nondescript. Chintz living rooms and country house drawing rooms or dining rooms. With a sufficient number of lamps in the room the side or wall lights need not be lighted during the average stay-at-home evenings but are ready if there is some special occasion for brilliancy. There are some rooms which are much improved by having no side lights at all. All the light coming from lamps. There should be plenty of floor sockets so placed that lamps may be used on tables near sofas and armchairs and on the writing table or large living room table. It is this proper placing of lamps which has so much to do with the charm and comfort of a room when evening comes. In the average home there is no greater mistake in the matter of lighting than having a room lighted by chandelier or ceiling lights. Lights at the top of the room, or a foot or two from the ceiling, break up completely the artistic balance of the room by drawing attention to them as the brightest spot. They make the room seem smaller both by day and night. They cast ugly shadows. They do not give sufficient or correct light for reading or writing and the glare above one's head is nerve-destroying. When the sun is directly overhead we hasten to put up sunshades. So why should we deliberately reproduce in our homes the most trying position of light? The fixtures also are usually extremely ugly. One sees sometimes in private houses what is called the indirect method of lighting, which is usually an alabaster bowl suspended by chains from the ceiling in which the lights are concealed. The reflected light on the ceiling is supposed to give a suffused and bright light. To my mind there is something extremely obnoxious about this method used in homes, for it smacks of department stores and banks and public buildings generally. And then, too, the light is unpleasant. If I were the unfortunate possessor of such a light I should have it taken down and use the bowl on the high wrought iron tripod for growing ivy and ferns, and thus try to get a little good from the ill wind that blew it there. There are a few cases, however, where top lights may be used such as large drawing or music rooms, rooms in which formal entertaining is to be done. Crystal ceiling lights are then best to use, or chandeliers with crystal drops or pendants. If these rooms are Italian Renaissance in style, the center lights must naturally harmonize in period. Large halls with marble stairs and wrought iron balustrade can have this elaborate kind of light, but the average hall demands a simpler chandelier. If one is to be used there are some very good copies of old colonial lights and lanterns. But personally I prefer wall brackets and a dignified lamp, or a floor lamp. Tour shares or lacquered floor lamps may be used in pairs if the hall is large enough to have them placed properly. In a long, narrow hall they would look a bit like lamp posts, rather close-fitting round shades, nearly the same size at top and bottom, made of painted parchment give a decorative touch and sufficient light, as one does not need an especially bright light in a hall. A beautiful lamp can be made of one of the fine old alabaster vases which many people have by dropping an electric bulb in it. Placed on a console table before a mirror it makes a delightful spot in the hall. These lamps may also be used in other rooms where a light is needed for effect and not for use. In placing lamps the charm and utility of a reflection in a mirror must not be overlooked. A vestibule may have a lantern of some attractive design in harmony with the house, or side lights if they can be so placed as not to be struck by the door. Dining rooms are far more beautiful and also better lighted if side lights are used, with candles on the table, rather than a drop light. Dining room drop lights or domes have all the disadvantages of other center lights and are extremely trying to the eyes of the diners, as well as being and becoming. Even when screened with thin silk drawn across the bottom there is something deadening to one's brain and having a light just over one's head. Side lights with the added charm of candles will give plenty of light. It is a cause for thanksgiving that drop lights over dining tables are rarely seen nowadays. 
Bedrooms should have a good light over the dressing table, and to my mind, two movable lights upon it, which may be in the form of wired candlesticks or small lamps. These are much more convenient than fixed lights. There should be a light over any long mirror, and one for the desk and sofa or chaise longue, and one for the bedside table. The dressing room should be supplied with a light over the chiffonier and long mirror, and there should also be a table light. Clothes closets should have simple lights, and do not forget the kitchen if one wishes properly cooked meals. A light so placed that it shines into the oven has saved many a burned dish, and a light over the sink has saved many a broken one. The servant's sitting room should have a good reading lamp. The question of the style of the fixtures is important, for if they are badly chosen they will quite spoil an otherwise perfect room. They must harmonize in period with the room, and also with its scale of furnishing. There is a wide choice in the shops, and some of the designs are very good indeed. Having been carefully studied and adapted from beautiful museum specimens of old Italian, French, English, and Spanish, carvings and ornament, some of our iron workers make very fine metal fixtures which are beautiful copies of old French and Italian work. There are graceful and sturdy designs, elaborate and simple, special period designs, and many which are appropriate for rooms of no particular period. There are charming lacquer sconces to go with lacquer furniture, and old-fashioned prism candelabra and sconces, and fixtures copied from choice old whale oil lamps in both brass and bronze. There are suitable designs for each and every room. The difficulty lies not in finding too few to choose from, but too many, and, growing weary, making a selection not quite so good as it should be. One should take blueprints to the shop if possible, but necessary measurements without fail. One must know not only the width of the wall spaces, but the width of the pictures and furniture to be put in the room, or the calamity may happen of having the fixtures a bit too wide. When fixtures are meant to be a special part of the decorative scheme, and support and enhance pictures and tapestries, they should have an appropriate decorative value also, but in the average home it is better and safer to choose the simpler, but still beautiful, designs, it is better to err on the side of simplicity than to have them to elaborate, lamps should be chosen to harmonize with the room, to add their fullness and beauty to it as a part of the whole and be convincingly right both by day and night, there are many possibilities for having lamps made of different kinds of pottery and porcelain jars, some crackleware jars are very good in color. Chinese porcelain jars, both single color and figured, make lovely lamps. Old and valuable specimens should not be used in this way, for they are works of art. Many modern jars are copies of the old and these should be used. There are lacquer lamps, bronze, and brass, and carved wood lamps, and lovely wedgewood and alabaster vases. There are charming little floor lamps, some of wrought iron with smart little parchment shades some in Sheraton design, some in lacquer or painted wood, which can be easily carried about to stand by bridge tables or a special chair. There are dozens of different jars and lamps to use, but the one absolutely necessary question to ask oneself is, is it right for my purpose? Lamp shades are a part of the scheme of the room's decoration and should be chosen or made to order to achieve the desired effect. Special shades are made by many clever people to harmonize with any room or period and are apt to be far better than the ready-made variety. There are all manner of beautiful shades, lace, silk, plain and painted parchment and paper, mounted Japanese prints, embroidery, and any number of other attractive combinations, to be perfect, beside the fine workmanship. They must harmonize in line with the lamps on which they are to be used, and harmonize in color and style with the room. 
and had an absolute lack of thrills and furbelows. The shade for a reading lamp should spread enough to allow the light to shine out. Lamp shades simply for illuminating purposes may be any desired shape if in harmony with the shape of the lamp. Lacquered painted tin shades are liked by some for lamps on writing tables. There should be a certain amount of uniformity in the style of the shades in a room, although they need not be exactly alike. Too much variety is ruinous to the effect of simple charm in the room. The chintz which is used for curtains will supply a motif for the painted shades if one wishes them. But if there is a great deal of chintz, plain shades will be more attractive. Side lights may have little screens or shades, as one prefers, or none may be used. In that case the bulbs may be toned down by using ground glass and painting them with a thin coat of raw umber watercolor paint. Bedroom shades follow the same rule of appropriateness that applies to the other shades in the house. There should be several sets of candle shades for the dining room. There is really no reason why so many houses should be so badly lighted. Often simply rearranging the lamps and changing the shape of the shades will do wonders in the way of improvement. Radical changes in the wiring should be carefully thought out so there will be no mistakes to rectify. Painted furniture The love of color which is strong in human nature is shown in the welcome which has been given to painted furniture. If we turn back to review the past we find the same feeling cropping out in the different periods and in the different grades of furniture. The furniture of the Italian Renaissance was often richly gilded and painted, the carved swags of fruit, arabesques, and the entwined human figures were painted in natural colors, or some of the important lines of the furniture were picked out with color or gold, or both, as the influence of the Renaissance spread to France and England, changed by the national temperament of the different countries, we find their furniture often blossoming into color not covered by a solid coat of paint but picked out here and there by lines and accenting points, during the time of Louis Exide everything was ablaze with gold and glory, but later, during the reigns of Louis Exide and Louis Exide, a gentler, more refined love of color came uppermost, and the lovely painted furniture was made which has given so much inspiration to our modern work. The simpler forms of the Louis XV period, and the beautiful furniture of the Louis XVI period, were often painted soft tones of ivory, blue, green, or yellow, and decorated with lovely branches of flowers, birds, and scenery where groups of people by Fragonard and other great painters disported with all their 18th century charm. These decorations were usually painted on reserves of old ivory with the ground color outside of some soft tone. Martin, the inventor of famous Bernese Martin, flourished at this time, and the glow of his beautiful amber-colored finish decorated many a piece of furniture from sewing boxes to sedan chairs. In England the vogue of painted furniture was given impetus by the genius of the Adam brothers and the beautiful work of Angelica Kaufman, Cipriani, and Pergolazzi. In both France and England there was at this time the comprehension and appreciation of beauty and good taste combined with a carefree gaiety which made the ineffable charm of the 18th century a living thing. There are some of our modern workmen and painters of furniture who feel this so thoroughly that their work is very fine, but the majority have no knowledge or understanding of the period, and, although they may copy the lovely things of that time, the essence, the true spirit, is lacking. Cabinet making and painting in those days was a beloved and honored craft, today, alas, it is too often a matter of union rules. Chinese lacquer, while not strictly coming under the head of painted furniture, was another branch of decorated furniture which was in great demand at this time. The design in gold was done on a black or red or green ground and was beautiful in effect. Illustration, the delicacy of the painting and the graceful proportions of these reproductions are in the true spirit of Adam. 
Illustration, a three-chair settee of the Sheraton period, lacquered, and with cane seat. It would be appropriate for a living room or hall. Illustration, this simple slap-back chair can be made most attractive at small expense with paint and a motif from the chintz for decoration. While the upper classes were having this beautiful furniture made for their use, the peasant class was serenely going on its way decorating its furniture according to its own ideas and getting charming results. The designs were usually conventionalized field flowers done with great spirit and charm. From the peasants of Brittany and Flanders and Holland have come down to us many beautiful marriage chests and other pieces of furniture which are simple and straightforward and a bit crude in their design and color, but which have done much to serve as a help and guide in our modern work. The supply of painted furniture today is inspired by these different kinds of the great periods of decoration. There are many grades and kinds in the market, some very fine keeping up the old traditions of beauty, some charming and effective in style and color, but with a modern touch, and some very very bad indeed, and when they are bad they are horrid, I have said a great deal in other chapters on this subject, but I cannot too often urge those of my readers who have the good fortune to live near one of our great art museums to study for themselves the precious specimens of the great days of genius, it will give a standard by which to judge modern work and it is only by keeping our ideals and demands high that we can save a very beautiful art from deteriorating into a commercial affair. When selecting painted furniture, one can often have some special color scheme or decoration carried out at a little extra expense, and this is well worthwhile, for it takes away the ready-made feeling and gives the touch of personality which adds so much to a home. One must see that the furniture is well made, that the painting and finishing are properly done and that the decoration is appropriate. If the furniture is of one of the French periods, it should be one of the simpler styles and should be painted one of the soft ground colors used at the time, and the decoration should have the correct feeling flowers and birds like those on old French brocade or toile de jouy or old prints. The striping should be done in some contrasting color or in the wonderful brownish black which they used. The design may be taken from the chintz or brocade chosen for the room, but the painting must be done in the manner of the period. This holds true of any English period chosen, such as Adam Furniture or the Painted Furniture of Sheridan. There are several firms who make a specialty of this fine grade of furniture, but it is not made by the car load, in fact it is usually special order work. The kind one finds most often in the shops is furniture copied from the simpler Georgian styles or simple modern pieces slightly reminiscent of craftsmen furniture, but not heavy or awkward in build. This furniture is painted in different stock colors and designs or can be painted according to the purchaser's wishes as a special order. These, stock, designs are often stenciled, but some of them have an effective charm and are suitable to country houses, and also many city ones. When there is much chintz used, the furniture will often be more attractive if it is only striped with the chief color used in the room. The designs which are to be avoided are of the Art Nouveau and Cubist variety. Roses that look like cabbages gone crazy, badly conventionalized flowers and crude and revolting color schemes. It sounds as if it should not be necessary to warn people against these monstrosities, and I have never heard of anyone who buys them, but someone must do so or they would not be in the shops. Attractive and inexpensive painted furniture can be made to be used in simple surroundings by buying slapback chairs with splint seats and a drop-leaf pine table and having them painted the desired ground color and then striped and decorated with a motif from the chintz to be used in the room. A country house dining room or bedroom could be most charmingly fitted up in this way. Chintz cushions could be used on the chairs, and candle shades could be made to match. 
one can sometimes find a bed or chest of drawers or other piece of furniture which is a bit shop-worn and can be had for a bargain. Old bureaus can be made to serve as chests of drawers by taking the mirror off and using it as a wall mirror. In many houses there are old sets of ugly furniture which can be made full and often attractive by having the jigsaw carving removed and painting them. In a set of this kind, which I was doing over for a client, there happened to be two beds with towering headboards, quite impossible to use, but I combined the two footboards, thus making one attractive bed. The furniture was painted a soft pumpkin yellow, striped with blue and with little, old-fashioned nosegays and a lovely linen with yellow and cream stripes and baskets of flowers was used and turned a dark and dreary room into a cheerful and pretty one. One can find some kind of suitable painted furniture for nearly every room in the average modern house. People everywhere are turning away more and more from the heavy, depressing effects of a few years ago, but unless they know the ground they are walking on they must tread with care. The style chosen must be appropriate and in scale with the style of house. The fine examples would look quite out of place in a bungalow or very simple house, and the simple kind founded on peasant designs would not be suitable in rooms with paneled walls and lovely taffeta curtains. In Georgian and simple French designs there are fascinating examples of chairs, settees and tables, corner cupboards and sideboards, beds and dressing tables and chests of drawers, mirrors and footstools and candlesticks. Everything both big and little which can be used in almost any of our charming rooms in the average house, with their fresh chintz and taffeta and well-planned color schemes. Lacquered furniture is more formal than the average painted furniture, and often one or two pieces are sufficient for a room. A beautiful lacquered cabinet with its fascinating mounts and its soft, wonderful red or black and gold tones is a thing to conjure with. Lacquered furniture is lovely for some dining rooms and morning rooms. The tables should always be protected with glass tops, which also applies to other painted furniture. One or two pieces of painted furniture may be used in a room with other furniture if they happen to be just the thing needed to complete the scheme. A console table, for instance, with a mirror over it and side lights, might be just the touch needed between two windows hung with plain taffeta curtains. Like all good things there must be restraint in using it but there are few things that have greater possibilities than painted furniture when properly used. Synopsis of period styles as an aid in buying furniture. When trying to select furniture for the home, people often become bewildered by the amount and variety to be found in the shops, and, not knowing exactly what to look for in the different styles, make an inappropriate or bad selection. One does not have to be so very learned to have things right. But there are certain anachronisms which cry to heaven and a little knowledge in advance goes a long way. A purchaser should also know something about the construction and grade of the furniture he wishes to buy. There are good designs in all the grades, which, for the sake of convenience, may be divided into the expensive, the medium in price, and the cheap. The amount one wishes to spend will decide the grade, and one naturally must not expect to find all the beauties and virtues of the first in the last. The differences in these grades lie chiefly in the matters of the fit and balance of doors and drawers, the joining of corners where, in the better grade, the interior blocks used to keep the sides from spreading are screwed as well as glued, the selection of well-seasoned wood of fine grain, careful matching of figures made by the grain of the wood in veneer, panels properly made and fitted so they will not shrink or split, careful finish both inside and out, and the correct color of the stain used, appropriate hardware, hand or machine or, applied, carving. In the cheap grades it is best to leave carving out of the question entirely, for it is sure to be bad. 
then there are the matters of the correctness of design and detail, in which all the knowledge one has collected of period furniture will be called upon, and in painted furniture the color of the background and the charm and execution of the design must be taken into account, whether it is done by hand or stenciled. Nearly all kinds of woods are used, the difference in cost being caused by the grade and amount of labor needed, the kind of wood chosen and its abundance and the fineness of grain and the seasoning. Mahogany costs more than stain perch, and walnut than gum wood, but there are certain people who for some strange reason feel that they are getting something a little smarter and better if it is tagged perch mahogany than if it were simply called perch. Some of the furniture is well stained and some shockingly done. The would-be mahogany being either a dead and dreary brown or a most hideous shade of red. A very Bolshevik among woods. One must remember that the mahogany of the 18th century, the best that there has ever been, was a beautiful glowing golden brown. And when a red stain was used it was only a little to enhance the richness of the natural color of the wood. More of a suggestion than a blazing fact. The wood was carefully rubbed with oil and pumice. And the shellac finish was rubbed to a soft glow. Modern furniture especially in the medium and cheap grades, is apt to look as if it were encased in a hard and shining armor of varnish. Illustration, this chair with its silk damask covering etched with gimp, the shape of the underframing and arms, and the dull gold carved ornaments, shows many characteristics of the Italian Renaissance. Illustration, an elaborately carved Chippendale chair, with late queen and influence in the shape of the back. Petty point covering which was so popular in her day is now wonderfully reproduced. Illustration, this Chippendale pie crust tip table shows the tripod base with claw feet and the carved edge which gives it its name, and which was carved down to the level, never applied. A genuine antique pie crust table is very valuable. Illustration, this fine example of a queen and lacquered chair shows the characteristics flat and top curve, the slip seat narrower at the back than front with rounded corners, and cabriole legs. Beside this practical knowledge one should have a general idea of the artistic side or the appearance of the different period styles and the manner in which they were used. To achieve this, one must study the best examples it is possible to find in originals, pictures, and properly made reproductions. Many of the plates in this book are from extremely valuable originals and should be studied carefully as they give a fine idea of some of the chief points in the different styles. One should also go to libraries and art museums whenever possible and study their collections. The more knowledge gained the more ease one will have in furnishing one's home whether there is everything to buy, or one is planning to add a few articles to complete a charming interior, or, with an eye to a future plan, is buying good things piece by piece and slowly eliminating the bad. It is this knowledge which will help you to study your own possessions and decide what is needed and what will be correct to buy. That is one of the most important points, to have a well thought out plan, and never to be haphazard in your purchases, very few of us have houses completely furnished in one period, but we do try to have a certain unity of spirit kept throughout the whole, whether it be French, Italian, English, or our own charming colonial, there can be a great variety in any one of these divisions, and suitable furniture can be found for all rooms, from the simplest kind to the most elaborate. It is easier to find good reproductions in the English periods of Jacobean, Charles I.I., William and Mary, Queen Anne, and the Georgian time, and the French periods of Louis XV and Louis XVI. Illustration, the wheelback design was often used by Adam, the arms, the curve of the seat and carving, the tapering reed legs, and the angle of the back legs should all be noticed. 
Illustration, as Chippendale did not use this style of leg they show that the chair was probably reconstructed from two old chairs. If one wishes a house furnished in the Gothic period it will be necessary to have nearly all the different pieces made to order, as there are few reproductions made, as our modern necessities of furniture were not known in those days. The designs would have to be carried out more in the spirit of the style than the letter, and one must be certain to have advice and designs from some person who thoroughly understands the period and who will see that the whole is properly carried out. Gothic days were rough and strenuous, and the furniture was strong and heavy and was made chiefly of oak with no varnish of any kind. The characteristic lines of the furniture and the designs for carving were architectural, and a careful study of the Gothic cathedrals of France, Belgium and England will give a very satisfactory idea of this wonderful time. The idea of the Pointe d'Arche, Rose Window, Trefoil, Caterfoil, Animal Grotesques, and Geometric Designs, as well as the beautiful linen fold design, were all adapted for use as carving in the panels of the furniture of the day, which consisted of chests that served as seats, buffets, armoires, screens, trestle tables, as well as the choir stalls of churches. This style is appropriate to a large and dignified country houses. The architect must see that the background is correct. The Renaissance.